Welcome to Sidewalk Talk. I'm Maria Bann, the Director of Design at Shovel the Sidewalk. We are a marketing firm, a small business in Buffalo, New York, building brands for other small businesses. Then we push their message out into the world through storytelling. We strongly believe in storytelling. We believe in the power of sound. And that's why we started Sidewalk Talk. We've kind of taken a turn and now are talking with people in the community um, that will allow us to connect each other, maybe offer some advice for all of us that are stuck at home or share stories that will inspire us to rise up and act. And today I'm really excited to have with us um, an artist, he's a teacher at West, uh, West Seneca West, owner of Devil Chicken and has really um, risen to the occasion and doing some Thing to really kind of help out other small businesses. Um, Chris Galley, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. No, thanks for taking the time out of what is probably a crazy, busy, hectic day. Yeah. <laughs> like all of us. Definitely different. So first, um, I want to get into kind of your upbringing a little bit because I think that that really shows uh, where your inspiration comes from, if anybody's ever read your statement. But can you explain to me, Devil Chicken, where did that come from? That's the thing everyone always wants to know. Is, Everybody uh, asks us, why the hell are you uh, named Shovel the Sidewalk? And Devil Chicken is pretty creative, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just been one of those names um, that I've actually I've held on to since high school. Um, and um, it, I always knew someday I was going to do something with it. And it's kind of where Devil Chicken Design came from. Um, kind of the one of the neat things, I was cleaning out my classroom uh, maybe two years ago. And I found a, a box of old three and a half inch floppy disks uh, tucked away in the back of a, a filing cabinet. And as I was like getting ready to throw them all out, I actually found like three or four of them back from late 80s, maybe early 90s labeled Devil Chicken Design. And they were my, my early logo attempts. Um, so it's been something that I've held on to um, just for a long time. Um, and it, it's just kind of been that memorable name that, that sticks. So. And that's always the first question. One, who's Devil Chicken? And two, where does it come from? <laughs> Were you able to get that stuff off of the floppy disks? To um, I, had, I don't even know where to go to do that now. Yeah, um, I didn't. I still have them. Those were the ones I didn't throw away. So I'm going to see if I can do something with them. But I, I did find some prints of, of early logo attempts, um, different from what I use now, but they, they have the same colors, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. So you moved around a little bit. Um, you were born in Buffalo, but and then, correct, right? And then you moved yes. to Pennsylvania for yep. a little bit near Pittsburgh? Yep, um, all over the place. Um, when I was a kid, um, I moved a lot. I actually changed schools every year up until high school. Um, so uh, I think around the time I was supposed to go into maybe sixth grade, um, mm -hmm. my dad took a job in Saudi Arabia. Um, oh, wow. Working on a water drilling team. Um, we lived on Eggert Road in the town of Tanamanda and sold everything. Uh, my mom and I were ready to move over. He was there for six months. Um, and just, I think we were going to leave on a Monday and there was a knock on the door on Friday and it was my dad. He actually had to escape out of the country because the government decided they wanted to renegotiate the contracts. Wow. Um, so that was how we ended up down to Pittsburgh. Uh, the firm he worked for um, was based out of Pittsburgh, so we ended up down there for a little while um, to Erie, PA after that, and then to Lockport, uh, where I went to high school, met my wife, met some good friends, and um, kind of started my art career. 
So you kind of traveled the Rust Belt. Yes. <laughs> blue collar town to blue collar town. Yes. It's amazing and to go back to some of these places and see how much they've changed and kind of to see that evolution in Buffalo now is something I didn't think I would see in my lifetime, but I'm, I'm really proud um, of this area and, and the changes it's making. It's really following Pittsburgh suit. Um, I know a few years ago when um, my husband and I were there for a concert, kept thinking this is what Buffalo could be like. You yeah. know, there's all, it's, it's a blue collar city. There's all these incredible old buildings that could be something. And um, well, before this pandemic, we were like, we're in this crazy renaissance and, yeah. and a big renaissance within the art community too. I'm artists' names are becoming more um, recognizable. We know who the community is. We're getting to know each other. I think it's really exciting. Definitely. And, and that's one of the things I talk to my kids about at school, um, about the changes in Buffalo that you've seen kind of hit into some of those Rust Belt cities. Uh, they finally made their way to Buffalo, and, and, and I'm a big believer that it's been the arts community that really started to kind of pave the way for some of those changes to, to kind of move into some of the neighborhoods that were, were definitely less desirable um, that are now kind of the hot real estate areas in the city right now um, just kind of start to push that rebirth and it's pretty amazing um, all the the traveling I do for art you tell people you're from Buffalo um, and you kind of get some some sideways looks and some grimaces um, but we've always challenged them come to Buffalo come in the summertime because there's always something going on you're going to love what you see here and everyone that's taken us up on that and has, has passed through has been really amazed and, and wanted to come back. Yeah, when, who would ever have thought, you know, 10 years ago that people would be wanting to move into the fruit belt? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's, it's great to see the changes. So, I don't know, if anybody who's listening or watching and you've ever seen any of Chris's work, um, it's, and you learn his story, I think it's very easy to understand where his inspiration comes from. So you said you were brought up on 70s and 80s TV. So yeah. like Evil Knievel and you know, Saturday morning wrestling and like all that awesome like balls to the wall stuff. Um, no regard for danger or anything like that. And when you were in Pittsburgh, you lived near a pretty famous cemetery. I did. Um, I actually kind of found it by accident. Um, was, you know, I was a little kid at the time. We were playing hide and seek in the woods and kind of ran up the hill behind my house and came out into a clearing and looked around and it just felt really oddly familiar. And another kid came out of the woods and kind of saw me standing there. And it, it turned out that was the cemetery where they filmed Night of the Living Dead. Um, and actually the, the elementary school is like elementary, middle, high school kind of thing. It's a real small town, Evans City, Pennsylvania. Um, actually, they filmed George Romero's movie, The Crazies, in the school. Um, the oh, science wow. rooms were, were part of the movie and the gym was a prison camp. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw that one. That's it's, got, it's got some interesting history. So it was, it was you know, that along, you know, at, at that time in my life, my mom always loved scary movies and, you know, would terrify me on Halloween jumping out of places. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to kind of have that indoctrination, it just it really stuck with me. So most people who are artists, it starts very early. It's not something that, you know, 
you decide to do like become a dermatologist or you know become a cop or something it it always starts somewhere how did this start for you um it was one of those things that you know a little bit of encouragement at a, a young age really sparked something as i said earlier i moved around a lot as a kid um and I was an only child. So it was one of those things of constantly moving into new towns or new neighborhoods um, and, and not knowing anybody. So you would spend time alone, you know, and drawing always just kind of kept me busy. Um, but it was also that way, once I got into school, other kids would kind of come around to see what you were working on. Um, so it was kind of that, that first indoctrination to be able to, to make friends and kind of easily meet people. And were you always kind of, working on the same things were you the skeletons and collage it looks like and were you always kind of on the same path or have you had different um phases yeah um definitely some different phases i think it was always in the back of my mind like when i was a little kid those were the things i would want to draw and you know mm -hmm. trucks and all, all that you know typical elementary boy mm -hmm. stuff um but then you know went through art school and it was one of those things even being a teacher i always made art and i always tried to exhibit in local shows or try to get stuff out to different contests and things like that um but i really wasn't happy with what i was making it just kind of felt too academic a little bit boring um so finally one day you know i just kind of decided i was going to change it up and it actually was a um it was on the recommendation of one of my students um, and it, I had this one girl, Rachel, um, she was a really talented artist, really sweet kid, was just in my room working one day after school. And, and she asked me about, you know, the type of artwork I make at home. And I had some pictures on my phone. So I showed her some stuff and, you know, talked about, you know, hey, one day I'm going to kind of make a push and try to get this out there. And um, she graduated that year. And at the end of the year in June, she actually gave me a thank you card um, for spending extra time with her and helping her with stuff, which I thought was really sweet. Mm -hmm. And the last line in the card said, you shouldn't wait anymore. Um, you should make your art now, it's good. So that was the, the time I kind of changed up a little bit of the things I was doing at school. I was a coach for a long time. Um, so I stepped away from that and decided to focus on art making. And that focus was, I was kind of get rid of everything that I had previously done and just focus either in on techniques that I felt I was really good at or that I wanted to learn. Um, so kind of, you know, doing some traveling and seeing street art, I wanted to get better at that, tried to work some of that in. I do a lot of digital design work at school. So I found ways to integrate that and was always just good at kind of drawing and painting. So I tried to stick with those things. Um, and I think the most important thing was I didn't make it for anyone. It was just something that if I was happy with it, um, that was enough. And, you know, the, the fortunate thing and the really lucky thing is that, that people took to it. Um, I've been busy since then. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I have two kids, one's in high school, one's um, 10 years old. We try to keep him alive every day. And if we can do that, we're doing a pretty good job. Um, he, he's probably a devil chicken himself. Um, but to have your kid come to you and say, I wanna be an artist, um, it, not every parent would really be like, absolutely, you should go and do that. But your parents must have really encouraged you and pushed you. Um. 
a little bit. It was a little bit of a mixed bag, like anything. Um, you know, I think they were definitely concerned with how I was going to be able to support myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the no one wants a starving artist living in their basement. Right. Um, you know, if their whole life. Um, so it was one of those things of trying to balance that out. I think they they recognized the drive that I had and and kind of the logical head on my shoulders to you know have a a career where I could support myself and a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't think they necessarily understood it or the potential of it. Um, and it really wasn't until I was probably into my mid to late twenties before they fully came around on it and actually told me that I, I, I had made the right decision kind of pursuing, you know, ultimately my dream. Mm-hmm. That's lucky. Not everybody can do what they're, what they love. So that's got to feel really great to like, like is, what is it the saying? If you uh, do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Right. Sure. Yeah. I feel very fortunate to be able to, you know, to have a, a successful life by, drawing and painting. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You said that you were, um, you did what the art that drove you, you painted for yourself, you, you created for yourself. And when you got out into the community, they really accepted you. And you, did you start with the motorcycle community? Were, was that your first shows that you had going to different rallies? How did you get linked with that, that group, that community? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I, I'd always exhibited locally in small galleries, different things here and there, um, art voice photo shows, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first out-of-state shows were motorcycle related. And it was just, you know, kind of being on internet forums. And that's really where the web is kind of open. It, it's really opened up the world. Um, and, you know, it was just one of those things of, I'm going to reach out and contact these people and say, hey, um, I do weird paintings. If you want to make your show, I'll come. And um, we kind of took the the punk rock approach to art of load everything in the truck. You know, my wife, the dog, we all pile in, drive someplace where we don't know how things are going to be and set up. Um, The motorcycle community has been incredibly welcoming warm um it's kind of that adage of 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 how you know people can look really scary mm-hmm. uh, they're the the nicest friendly friendliest warmest people um that we've we've had the opportunity to meet and and i really credit a huge amount of my success with that community because they're the ones that talked to their friends and invited me to other places that have really given me the opportunity and i only see the united states but also um, the country, Europe, Canada, I've been able to travel and, and show my work at, at motorcycle events, which is, has been really, really cool. <laughs> one thing that's really, my husband has a motorcycle, and it's one thing that's so cool is it's so easy to connect um, if you're somebody who rides and you understand how that feels and, you know, the being on the bike and the wind and the, you know, it's, the gears like all of it it's just such an easy way to connect with other people yeah it kind of is a you know talked a little bit about earlier about that way when I was a kid of art being able to make friends it's having that instant commonality that Mm -hmm. you can immediately connect to oh hey what do you ride And, and and it's the thing that's been pretty cool is it's it's not 
you know, where you come from or what your family is or what you do for a living or even what type of motorcycle you ride. It's just, you're into the same thing. We have this in common. Let's be friends. Right. Yeah. So you also, okay. So you also work on skateboard decks. Yes. How did that happen? Cause that's not exactly a motorcycle. No. Um, I, as a kid growing up, um, I was a skateboarder. Um, I was probably the worst skateboarder ever. <laughs> Way more often than I pulled tricks. Um, but it's it's always been that thing that's kind of stuck with me. Um, and it's kind of goes back to that adage of a punk rock a punk rock approach to art. Um, that skateboarding is has always been that that ethos of you know make it yourself and and just put your stuff out there. Um, so a few years ago, I just decided, you know, I'm going to order up some blank decks and, and see what I can put on them. And again, you know, I think a lot of that custom motorcycle world that supported my art is, is made up of skateboarders um, that, that came up through that, that, you know, culture and they just took to it. So it's been kind of a, a cool way and, and something a little bit different. Typically my paintings are, are considerably bigger, um, you know, three to four feet um, wide. So for me, it was kind of a nice change up as well to do something fun in a, a smaller scale um, that I could turn over a little bit quicker and, um, you know, just basically make it work. So now you're taking your art and you're taking these skateboard decks, right? Skateboard deck. Yep. And you're helping small businesses. So if you've ever gotten an ice cream, um, hopefully it's couch potato because that's my favorite one, <laughs> um, or at a Lake Effect, or you got a margarita at Cantina Loco, you've probably seen some of Chris's work. How are you helping them right now? So um, the thing I've been most impressed about during all of this craziness is how people have been pitching in and, and just kind of helping out in their community, their neighbors, um, doing whatever they can. Um, to help out. So I, I figured I would, I would try to use my art to su help support the folks that have supported my career um, in the past. And both Lake Effect and Cantina Loco had commissioned original paintings from me um, over the years. So I took uh, the digital files of those artworks and um, I'm having them made into custom skateboards. Um, and I'm, I'm doing a pre-sale right now through my website um, and through my Instagram. And all of the orders of those two decks uh, with the artwork from those locations is gonna be donated back to those businesses to help uh, support their employees who are either unemployed, furloughed, or just having their hours drastically cut right now. That's awesome. There's so much, I think, that people can do from home that maybe don't realize that the little bit that they could do to give back could, could really help out. I'm hoping that's the case. And, and so far, that I've had the pre-sale going for about a week. Um, and I think we're around the five or $600 mark raised for those businesses. I'm, I'm really hoping to, to kind of kick that up a little bit more. Uh, so thank you for this opportunity to help get the word out um, and um, really do something um, for both of those businesses. Like I said, they've, they've been incredibly supportive of me. Um, and, and I think more importantly, uh, I consider all the folks that, that run those businesses friends. So I want to try to do my part to, to help them out. 
And they're, they're awesome. I mean, if anybody's ever been to Lake Effect or you've been to Cantina Loco, um, it doesn't matter who you are, you go there and you're going to feel welcomed instantly. Um, the food is incredible. It's creative and it's fun. And, um, I don't know, it's, I, that's one thing that is really kind of moved me at least during all of this is to see what people are doing. You know, it's one thing to, to say we're, we're Buffalo or the city of good neighbor. Um, but it's, it's the actions that you take, um, that really, that really proves that. Um, what would you, how would you encourage, um, aside from purchasing a state, a skateboard deck and we'll tell everybody how they can get them, but what would you say to encourage other people that are sitting at home, um, and just thinking what they could do to help out? Uh, it's, Kind of what I tell my kids at school, play to your strengths. Um, whatever it is that, that you do that, that makes you uniquely you, the, the part of you that you're proud of, that's what you've got to get out into the community. Um, you know, even if it's something as small as checking in on a neighbor, checking in on a friend, just to see how they're doing um, during all of this, because it's, it's incredibly easy to become isolated, uh, just inside of your house all day. Um, so just even those small steps of that may not seem like much can mean the world to somebody. Um, you know, and if you can do more, you, you can sew masks, um, you can make skateboards, um, whatever it is that, that you can do to pitch in. I think this is the time um, where, where it's going to mean the most. How are you staying connected with your students right now? That's been a little bit tricky because it's, sure. it's been on the fly. Um, so I've, I've been kind of giving myself a crash course on, on Google Classroom. <laughs> We've been <laughs> utilizing. Um, prior to that, um, during the school year, I've been using a, an app called Remind, and it's basically you can mm -hmm. send out text alerts um, with that. And, and then just from there, emails. Um, initially, you know, getting this started, um, I maybe thought back to what I would do if I was in this situation as a high school student. And it's, it's real easy to kind of, you know, ignore some things and, and not do anything. But I've been amazed at the resiliency um, and tenacity of my kids at school and, and how impressed I've been with the quality of work they've been turning out. Um, you know, again, initially I thought, eh, if I'm, I'll be lucky if I can get a, a couple kids um, to stay in contact. And, and um, I've got the vast majority of them um, that are not only staying in contact, but are really um, trying their best to make it through this situation. So cheers to them. And I know there are some people who are more analytical. They're very, you know, numbers and science. But I think to have some part of your day or your week to just be creative, to just create something is, it just feels, it fills such an important um, need. Not everybody has a medium that they like to work with. Not everybody even knows what, what medium is in, in terms, but what are some things maybe we can do with our kids or just if you're, I don't know, if you're an adult in your home and you're stuck, you're sick of just binging Netflix and walking the dog all day. What's, <laughs> what's something that people can do um, artistically to create to kind of keep that side of our brain working a little bit? Um, take advantage of our, our 
immensely deep pool of community resources here in Buffalo or cultural creative resources, I should say. Um, the Albright Knox and the Birchfield Penny are the first two big names uh, that come to mind. Um, they've been putting out weekly connection emails that you can sign up through their website or even just go to their website and connect. And um, through those websites, they've got lessons and, and challenges um, of art projects that are geared towards kids, but also adults. And actually, I just got an email from the Albright Knox uh, this morning that they're doing a drink and draw class for adults coming up oh, I think, next week. Um, so they're going to get your beverage um, and whatever materials you have handy, and they're going to have an online um, course through their education department. Um, there are other brands like uh, Van Sneakers uh, is right now is having a, a challenge to make something out of cardboard, old shoe boxes, mm -hmm. and posting it on their website and giving away free pairs of shoes for kind of creativity, originality. Um, so it's not so much of, of being intimidated by it. And that's what I've been trying to kind of gear my art classes uh, at West with right now, but more of staying active, challenging yourself creatively, try some different things. Um, you know, if you don't have glue, make it flour, sugar, and water, and you can make paste at home. Um, so I think that's the big thing of just taking that first step to make that decision that I'm going to do something other than, like you said, watch Netflix or or get out and walk the dog for the 13th time today. <laughs> I know our dogs are exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> they can't wait for this to be over too, no, I think. Back to their sleep. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so how can we find our, you know what else I want to say was your ornaments. Um, are you planning on maybe doing those ornaments again this winter? I will. Um, I, I've kind of pared it back a little bit. Um, they, they became the bane of my existence usually around <laughs> October because I was, I was <laughs> I think initially over a hundred of them a year. Um, yeah. and uh, they take some time. So I've, I've kind of paired it back to 50 um, and I'll have those ready for Christmas time. Um, I'll throw a plug out for a great local um, holiday art show, uh, the Queen City Market that's held mm -hmm. every December at the Carpellis Museum. Uh, if you haven't been, it's all local makers. It's a juried show. The, um, the quality has always been incredibly high. Um, so I'm, I'm gearing to have some ready for them if they'll have me back. I do have a, a few left over um, from this year. I was actually just thinking about it last night of maybe doing a, a Christmas in July sale, mm -hmm. all the old inventory and, and get ready to make some new ones. But yeah. Well, that should work. We've had enough snow, so. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's maybe still some outside. <laughs> Certainly might. I, um, I love those ornaments. It's funny because they're, you know, they're very, they're new. There's, there's skulls on them and they're, they're, they're punk and they're awesome, but they remind me so much. I have my grandparents ornaments from their first Christmas tree from like the fifties. Um, and they remind me so much of them. Um, just the colors and the kind of Your grandparents stuff. sound awesome. They're, they're pretty <laughs> awesome. They're pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> So how can we find these, uh, the decks? How can we support you and how can we support Cantina Loco and Lake Effect? Um, probably the easiest way is devilchickendesign.com. Um, go there, click the um, online store link and they're right at the top. Um, and again, it's the, the Zapata deck and the Happy Landings deck. All the proceeds from those two are going to um, those two local businesses. 
So every, every deck that we can get out there um, helps the community, just helps make people's lives, I think, a little bit easier right now um, with everything going on. No, oh, that's awesome. I mean, the hospitality industry is getting hit so hard. These yeah. people are, I mean, stuck at home. They're not, it's not just you know, 16 year olds bussing tables. This, these are careers, people. I mean, it, some of these bartenders, even just bartenders in, in Buffalo, they're, they're giants now. It's, that's what they do. That's what their passion is. So thank yeah. you so much for helping them. Um, so we will have that link um, in the comments and um, on our YouTube channel. If you know anybody else who has a story that should that needs to be told or um, they're getting up and they're helping everybody in Western New York to really make this time that we're all um, down uh, count, let us know. Um, you can watch our, our podcast at shovelthesidewalk.com or on any uh, platform that they have, Spotify, iTunes, or whatever else it is. We got somebody listening in India not too long ago. I don't know how that got all the way out there. Um, so thank you so much again, Chris, and um, support him. Guys, buy, buy the skateboard decks. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me.